episode 777. The NFL Combine transitions from coaches and general managers speaking from the podium to the athletes taking center stage. We go directly to Indianapolis to get the scoop from Evan Western of Acme Packing Company. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and we're discussing the NFL Combine today. To do that, we have a guest joining us on the line. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We have Evan Western of AcmePackingCompany.com, part of the SB Nation Network. Mr. Western, how are you today? Doing well. Getting uh, ready to head back over to the convention center in a few minutes. So uh, see if we can get some interesting comments out of some, uh, some of the players today, the quarterbacks and receivers and tight ends. So hopefully there'll be some good stuff over there and uh, look forward to watching some of these workouts today as well. Well, Evan, seeing as you're at the Combine, we'll kind of split our time first talking about the Packers and then getting to some of the prospects you alluded to. But I wanted to start with one of the more interesting things I thought to emerge from Ted Thompson's interview at the Combine, and that was his refusal to comment on why the team released Josh Sitton. We all know this was Thompson's first meeting with the media in like six months you know, Evan, I, I'm one of over 350,000 owners of this team. Does he owe it to me and the rest of us to at least give some sort of comment instead of pretending like it's some state secret? Yeah, I mean, I'm right there with you as far as, as the ownership, and I feel a little bit, uh, I feel disappointed that we haven't gotten any sort of straight answer. What I thought was the bigger issue for me was that uh, after after it happened, he kind of trotted Mike McCarthy out there to try to try to explain what was going on, or, or at least take the questions and take the heat for it. Um, if if he wanted to shut down and, and not say anything, at least I think he what he owed it to to us was the opportunity for him to actually at least go out there and, and get asked the question and, and take the brunt of the um, the brunt of the media attention for it, rather than putting Mike out there and, and making him face uh, face the music a little bit. Yeah, I'm disappointed. Um, I guess it is what it is, and, and I've kind of moved past it personally at this point, but uh, I, I, I'm i right there with you as far as the, the frustration about never really understanding what, what drove that move in the first place. Yeah, it, it's interesting. And, and what's what's worse, I think, is his just refusal to comment. Like, even if he would dance around it but just say something, nobody would yeah. probably get on a bundle. But he says, like, I'm not going to talk about it, which I think, you know— irks people but anyway here Evan did you get anything out of Mike McCarthy's comments on the pending free agents it seems to me the common thread in nearly all his comments is you'd like to have all of them back yeah and and the more you talk to these these coaches and GMs that's kind of the common refrain for all these guys is they, they want all their own teams free agents to come back but the couple that really stood out to me was when he was talking about Jared Cook it almost sounded like he a he, he was talking about him as if he was already under contract again and coming back for next year. <laughs> um, he, he was, he was kind of talking about how, you know, he's, he's looking forward to seeing his development and how he had a really good year one and, and was kind of, you know, alluding to, to continuing to improve and, and uh, understand the Packers offense. So it seemed like um, he kind of was almost assuming that cook is going to be back. And then 
the comments that he made about Eddie Lacy um, multiple times saying that he would love to have Eddie back, that um, he, he really likes the idea of a Lacy-Montgomery backfield tandem um, because those guys bring different things to the table but can still both play all three downs. I think that was, uh, that was pretty telling that, um, that he really values Lacy. He thinks um, he's healthy and, or, or will get healthy and, um, and that he can be a, a big part of the offense moving forward next year. I've got another question on Lacey in a second here, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this first. Rob Domovsky of ESPN reported on Thursday that it's status quo for B.J. Raji as he remains on hiatus from the Green Bay Packers and the NFL in general. I guess he's technically a free agent. Was that what you suspected, Evan? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think there's um, – I don't see him coming back at, at any point, honestly. Um but um, certainly, certainly not at this point. If, if we hadn't heard anything by um, by the time the combine rolled around, I, I pretty much had written him off for for next year and, and probably at any point in the future as well. Okay. Uh, now, speaking of other reports from NFL insiders here, Ian Rapaport, the NFL Network, reported Eddie Lacy is expected to be ready for the start of OTAs. Evan, knowing how conservative the Packers are with injuries, that surprised me. Do you think he'll be ready to practice by then? Well, I think that he and maybe his doctors think he'll be ready to go. And, and who knows, maybe he will get cleared if he does come back to Green Bay and, and maybe he'll get cleared to start. But I could, I could also see them just holding him out of spring practices as a precaution. Really have him focus on the strength and conditioning aspect of things. Um, you know, obviously, if you know, the, the, the weight issues from, from the last couple of years continue to, to be a um, kind of an albatross hanging around him a little bit. So, um, yeah, if he comes back, I mean, even if he is ready to go, I could certainly see them holding him out for a couple of weeks uh, before they get him onto the field. Speaking of running backs, Wisconsin running back Corey Clement shared thoughts at the Combine on Thursday that he was told by a scout that the Packers could draft two running backs this year. Could you see that happening? You know, I could, but only in one scenario, and that's if Lacey does not come back. Um, I, I don't see in, in any situation the Packers going running back in round one, but um, you could certainly see maybe a day two and a day three guy if, uh, if Lacey doesn't come back and they're, they're left with basically just Ty Montgomery. I think you're going to see him draft at least one regardless, um, even if Lacey does return. I think a guy, um, the, the other Wisconsin running back, Dari Gundawale, I think would be a great fit for the Packers offense in terms of what he can do as a receiver and as a pass blocker. Um, so he's a guy that I would, um, and as a Wisconsin alum, I'd certainly love to see him in, in Green Bay as well. Um, but yeah, I think uh, possible, sure, likely, I, I doubt it, but there's, who knows? Maybe that scout speaks, telling the, the the player a little bit of what he might want to hear, and then um, you know there, there's so many things that are fluid on draft day, so it's it's way too early to to really get a feel for for what they're actually going to do. Question out of the blue here, in keeping with the Wisconsin theme, I just saw this morning your report on the Packers interviewing former Badgers offensive lineman Ryan Ramchick, uh, one of the top tackles in the draft this year. Can you tell us about the nature of their talks at the combine? Yeah, Ramchick mentioned um, you know, it, was a, it was a real pleasant meeting. Um, didn't really get into whether or not it was one of those informal meetings with a bunch of different, um, bunch of different teams, uh, scouts and, and coaches, or if it was a formal one. I, I got the impression it was formal, though, because he did say that uh, the Packers coaches asked him to drop a few plays from Wisconsin's playbook, uh, kind of go through them and explain them with him. So we'll see how that goes. Um, 
certainly I think if, you know, if he were to end up landing in Green Bay, you'd look at him as a, as a guard um, rather than as a tackle, obviously, with the, the depth of tackles that the Packers have. But um, always interesting to see an in-state guy um, get some interest from Green Bay. Yeah, you don't think of the Packers as going offensive line, but if Ramchick dropped to 29, it could be a tough decision. Um, Evan, there was a lot of discussion about the height of North Carolina quarterback Mitch Trubisky at the Combine, uh, on whom they finally got an accurate reading on Thursday at six foot two inches and a fraction. What do you make of the whole height debate for quarterbacks, knowing there's another very good six foot two quarterback in Green Bay? <laughs> well, it was actually really funny when, when that measurement came, um, you know, got, got announced. Um, that was when Hugh Jackson of the Browns was, was giving his press conference right early in the morning. And he had literally just said that um, his, his ideal threshold for a quarterback was six foot two. And so somebody, uh, somebody saw the, the, the report about Trubisky's height and they said, well, did you hear that, uh, that Trubisky just measured in at, at six two and an eighth or something like that? And he said, "Oh, he did. Well, good. Then he's six two. <laughs> so it, was kind of, it was a pretty funny moment. But um, I think it's it's a lot like the Packers with their five foot eleven cornerbacks. It's it's a threshold. It's not necessarily something where you drop a guy off your board entirely if he's below that number or or if he's you know runs worse than whatever your ideal threshold time is. Um, it just means that you got to do some more research, and he has to um, really impress you and excel in in all the other areas um, of his game and, and his testing and, and things. I think it's so so it's not you know it's not a hard pass, but but certainly it's one of those things where um, you look for something in particular. If they don't have that, then they need to have all the rest of the tools to to make it fit what you want to do. Players hit the field for workouts for the first time on Friday. Is there any player, Evan, you're particularly interested to see, whether it's running the 40 or any other drill over the course of the next four days? Oh, there's so many. It's, <laughs> I mean, with 330 guys, there's there's so many freak <laughs> athletes out there that it's going to be fun to watch. Um, as far as guys that the Packers might target, uh, Takaris McKinley from UCLA is is one of the big ones, and and I'm certainly interested to hear what his medical checks come back like. But um, as as far as I know, he's planning on doing everything, and and the buzz on him is he could run as as fast as a four five flat um, at you know around 260 pounds. So he'll be a fun one to watch. Um, I'm curious to see what T.J. Watt is going to do. I, I think he needs a, a real good workout this week to you know get himself into that kind of borderline first round talk. Otherwise, if, if he doesn't uh, if he doesn't blow up, I think you'll probably see him probably as a day two pass rusher. Um, there's a couple of tight ends that I'm curious to see. I think we all know O.J. Howard from Alabama is gonna gonna test out pretty well, but David Joku from Miami, I think he's gonna really have a big uh, big day tomorrow when he takes the field. And then there's another one, Adam Shaheen. He's out of a D3 college. He's about 275 pounds. He's a massive guy, but he could run in about four seven. And so that's um, that's another another name to kind of keep an eye on as far as you know, the, the size, the the speed, the blocking ability at tight end. Uh, Evan, before we let you go, uh, the Packers officially raised ticket prices on Thursday for the eighth straight year. Do you feel that's fair? You know, it's it's disappointing. Um, it's it's disappointing that they've continued to to, to jack them up higher than than the inflation rates. I'm a little bit of a uh, and economic guy so so that would be my you know starting point if it was a if it was you know two or three dollars maybe i can understand it but but that that bump of i think it was seven bucks across the board or or, or on average um 
yeah, with, with the fact that it's, it's been consistent every year. Um, it's, and, and the revenues from TV are going up and revenue sharing, you know, they're certainly getting more, more money from those sources of revenue. Um, I'm, I'm a little disappointed that they feel that that's, that's an appropriate way to continue um, or a necessary way to continue uh, increasing their revenue stream. Yeah, I'll share my thoughts on that a little bit later. But Evan, thanks so much for joining us. I, I assume we can anticipate more coverage from you throughout the weekend. Absolutely. I'll be here for the next couple of days. Um, hopefully I'll be able to stick around Sunday and talk to the, the corners and defensive backs to see. But certainly um, everybody today, then the, the defensive linemen, linebackers tomorrow, uh, we'll have updates throughout throughout the day. Um, be doing a lot of stuff on social media, so check out our, our Facebook page, our Instagram. I uh, get a lot of videos and, and clips and things that we're really posting there as well. So thanks for having me. Yeah, sounds good. We'll send people your way. Thanks a lot, Evan. Take care. Thanks, guys. Go Pack Go. <laughs> Evan Western of Acme Packing Company joining us here at Railbird Central on a Friday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. And before we get to our next segment, it's time for a word from our sponsor, Today's show is brought to you by Beer Rock, a craft beer bar in Madison. And usually I save promotion until the end of the show, but we're going out of order today because I have a big announcement. We've set up a GoFundMe campaign to raise startup capital for Beer Rock. I'm personally trying to open a bar that you'll be able to watch Packers games at. We created a pre-recorded plea to our supporters that's part of our um, uh, GoFundMe campaign. So enjoy this little message. Hey everyone, this is Brian Caravu, and hopefully sometime soon you'll know me as the owner of Beer Rock, a craft beer bar in Madison, Wisconsin. You might be asking, what the heck is a Beer Rock? Well, it's the family recipe of my wife Amanda, and it's going to be the signature item on our menu. In its simplest terms, a birok is similar to a pasty, except better. It's a savory pastry filled with beef, sauerkraut, onion, cheese, and seasoning. At least that's the traditional version. We also plan on having other various interpretations. How does a Korean birok with pork and kimchi sound? To make this a reality, however, we need your help. We're looking to get a small business loan to do all sorts of things like lease a property and buy all the equipment we need. That's why we set up a GoFundMe campaign. Your donation will go towards the equity needed to secure that loan. Once that's done, the dominoes will start falling. Best of all, we've created several reward levels to thank you for your generosity. They range from branded t-shirts to free food and drink on premise. So please take the time to explore and thank you for your consideration. We hope you become one of the founding members of B-Rock and Bottoms Up. Thanks, everyone, for allowing me to talk about that. In summary, I sure could use your help. As you, hear, as you heard, you receive rewards for your donations, so please consider donating. We're giving away T-shirts and stickers, and if you live by, you can come to the place and get food and drink. 
Uh, I I'm left a link on live stream to our GoFundMe campaign. I'm going to do it in our show post at Cheesehead TV. I've posted it on Facebook, on Twitter. If you just look me up and you'll find the link, I really could use your help, even if it's a small donation. If you live out of the area, uh, we're trying to get a Packers bar going, a place where you can watch Packer games on Sundays. So uh, we think it's a really cool adventure and uh, really could use your help in getting this thing up and running. So thanks a lot, folks. Let's get back to Packers talk. What the hell's going on out here? Well, I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment, I'm going to give you my two cents on a lot of the topics we've already touched about. Evan Western talked about his opinion. Now it's time for mine. First, let's start with B.J. Raji and the report from ESPN that he will be continuing his hiatus. Uh, apparently, according to Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, uh, Raji has not filed retirement papers and is is keeping that avenue open to return to either the Packers or somewhere else in the NFL, uh, but not ready to do so yet. Uh, I don't imagine he will. Um, it, it To me, B.J. Raji continuing his so-called hiatus is not surprising in the least. Even if the Packers did part ways with fellow big body Mike Pennell earlier this year, you know, the Packers moved on when they took Kenny Clark in the first round last year. They've got Kenny Clark under contract. They've got Latroy Guyon under contract. And even though he's not a nose tackle type, they have an elite, you know, defensive lineman in Mike Daniels. The Packers pretty well set on the defensive line. Sure, they could use some depth, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if the Packers take another defensive line at some point you know, in the NFL draft. I certainly don't think they have to do it high in the first round. Uh, and, and we're talking specifically about defensive tackle body types here. Uh, yeah, yeah, they certainly could use a defensive end body type, maybe as high as the first round, but that's certainly no guaranteed there. But yeah, not surprised in the least, B.J. Raji is staying on so-called hiatus, uh, but that just kind of cropping up on Thursday. Uh, so we talked about it here. And another player I want to talk about, Eddie Lacy. Uh, I personally was very surprised at the report from Ian Rappaport saying that Lacey will be ready for the start of OTAs, that coming out of the NFL Combine. Um, I think I just commented on our last episode of Railbird Central how I thought it was unlikely that Lacey will be ready for the start of the Combine. But maybe I should clarify those comments in that, you know, we, we talked about the last episode, his Recovery from surgery, Lacey said it would take four to six months. It's already been four, uh, and by the time they hit the field for OTAs, it'll be nearly six by then. It, you know, it, the Packers, to me, and, and first of all, the Packers would have to re-sign Eddie Lacey for him to be with the Packers, but the Packers are always so conservative, especially during that off-season portion of the year, you know, they get they get slightly more aggressive during training camp and as you get closer to the regular season. But, you know, during OTAs, during minicamp, during April, May, June, there's no reason to take chances at that point, And they usually don't. They'll withhold players from practice with no hesitation if they're kind of recovering from any injury or anything like that. But I do suppose that if Eddie Lacy really is healthy and ready to go at four to six months, it is possible that he could come back to practice on a limited basis. You know, they kind of do that thing where 
uh, limited means like they'll do individual drills. He'll be out there. He'll go through the uh, warm-up portion where they stretch and do all those kind of things, and maybe he'll do some individual non-contact drills, just like take handoffs, catch passes, those kind of things, but then not get involved in the 11-on-11 type of stuff. Um, if I remember right, uh, the Packers kind of had Jordy Nelson in that kind of mode last year during the offseason where, yeah, maybe he would do some individual stuff, but rarely did uh, any 11-on-11 or team stuff, you know, during the off-season portion, uh, you know, the, the April, May, June time frame because they just didn't want to take any chances with a Pro Bowl type of player, and that's what Eddie Lacy is at his best. His rookie year, he was a Pro Bowler, um, and the Packers would love to see him get back to that point, I'm sure, assuming they re-sign him, which we do have to see here and. You know, after the combine is over this weekend, uh, continuing to Monday, but after that, you know, focus is on free agency, and we'll talk more about Eddie Lacy, I'm sure, about a week from now, uh, and see what the Packers are doing with not only him, but I think they have nine total unrestricted free agents and uh, their other uh, restricted and exclusive rights ones. And, and speaking of just a minor note here, I did see a report. I think it was also from Rob Domofsky of ESPN. Uh, that the Packers will re-sign punter Jacob Schum, who is one of those um, uh, restricted free agents, or he is an, uh, an exclusive rights one. So it, it that's unsurprising. Uh, it, you know, they could bring almost all of them back because uh, they make such little money. You could always release them down the road. Um, the Packers very well might be bringing competition at the punter position, uh, but I see no hurt in them bringing back punter Jacob Schum, and it looks like they will. He hasn't apparently signed a contract yet. He's going to come to Green Bay, undergo a physical, assuming that all goes fine. Uh, they'll probably sign him to a contract. So expect that very soon. Finally, one more uh, topic you'll get my opinion on here uh, in our Packers news segment on Packers ticket prices. Uh, being raised for the eighth straight year, uh, an average of $7, I believe. We, you know, we all get mad when we see opposing fans at Lambeau Field, right? You, you think to yourself, don't sell tickets to the opponent. Well, you know what? I, I think it's time to start blaming the Packers after the eighth straight year of uh, of of increasing ticket prices. Because, I, I mean... It's at a point where, yeah, there's there's so many Packers fans. We all know the waiting list is takes a hundred years uh, to to get on it and and get tickets. Um, but I mean, those who have season tickets now, yeah, they they scrap together the money to pay for an entire season, but they can hardly afford to go to every game themselves. So they are forced to sell the tickets to individual games. They'll maybe go to a handful of games themselves and sell the rest, basically kind of, uh, in some cases, maybe paying for it itself if they're selling them at above face price. Um, but, I, I mean, the Packers at this point, I think, are kind of putting them in a position. And, and yes, the, the, the rationale the Packers give is they're right about the league average. I think they're even below it. But I just think 
We've done it eight straight years. Can the Packers start to maybe do it every other year? Or could they do it at less than the price of inflation, as Evan Western just suggested? I thought $7 was a really steep jump this year. So I think there are things the Packers can do, even if they were to raise them. How about a little bit less of Ike? Or let's do this every other year. And perhaps when we get to the time when the Packers don't make the playoffs again, maybe that's when they'll stop raising ticket prices. Um, but because they've made the t- they made the playoffs now for eight straight years, and they've raised ticket prices for eight straight years, that should be no coincidence, folks. Um, but yeah, uh, Packers, let's 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 dial it back a little bit here, and let's let the average fan be able to see like more than one game right now. That's I know that's all I can afford. I'm not making millions of dollars. Maybe there there are millionaires out there who are season ticket holders of the Packers and. They can afford to go every game and sit in their luxury box. I know that's not me. Uh, When you talk about the price of a ticket, parking, lodging, food, any additional entertainment, and if you're taking kids to the game, you know, double all those things. It's really tough, Uh, and I think the Packers need to somehow dial it back. Next segment. The day ahead. On-field drills are finally here. In fact, they're on as we speak. Coverage on the NFL Network of the Combine began at 8 o'clock a.m. Central Time and lasts until 3 o'clock p.m., at least the live version. It's followed by an encore performance. Yes, yesterday they actually did the bench press, but that was it as far as drills go. Today, offensive linemen and running backs hit the field, and they'll do everything else. The 40-yard dash, the jumps, the shuttles, the position drills. And you'll be able to watch it all on on the NFL Network and NFL.com. Packers scouts and executives will be in attendance watching them. Um, and even those that aren't there uh, in person could be watching it on TV. And, and if I could just take this segment, I'll, I'll tell you three players I think the Packers will be interested in watching at the Combine over the course of the next four days. Basically, we got four straight days here of combine workouts concluding on Monday and these three players all on the defensive side of the football. I think, you know, people generally agree the Packers need the most help on the defensive side of the football. So three players here to really keep an eye on one of them. Number one, linebacker Hassan Reddick of Temple. I know I've mentioned him on a previous episode. He is supposed to be an athletic freak. I I think if you ever watched him in college at Temple, you saw that. If you watched him at the Senior Bowl, uh, where he gained a lot of attention, you saw that. And, And so he's expected to do well at the NFL Combine. For uh, he's supposed to be as far as linebackers go, really fast. Uh, really athletic. I, I hope to see him run a fast 40 and hopefully those explosive drills like the jumps, he jumps out of the stadium. Uh, I, I do because I think it's imperative for him to test really well to make sure he's a, a he's a first round draft pick. He's kind of one of those, I think, fringe first round draft picks who the earliest he might go is late in the first round and, you know, Coincidentally, the Packers hold a draft pick late in the first round, number 29th overall. He could interest them if he performs well at the NFL Combine. He's expected to, um, 
and if he, you know, if he doesn't, maybe the Packers might pass, but that's unexpected. He's a guy to watch because he should tear it up. Uh, another guy, uh, number two, the second player I'm watching, cornerback Tease Tabor, Florida, uh, Florida prospect here. He is one of a couple players that I think, you know, we I think people also generally agree the Packers could use help at cornerback. He may not last until 29 overall. Uh, I, I think probably if you look at a lot of mock drafts, thing like that, they have him probably coming off the board slightly before the Packers pick, but you never know. He could slide a little bit. It's going to be imperative for him in particular to run a fast 40 time because I don't think he's one of those guys expected to have elite speed. He's not one of those guys who's going to run a 4-4 flat. Uh, he's the kind of guy you want to see break 4-5. Um, you know, I, I just don't think when you watch his film that he's he's got the... Uh, he, I don't think he's got the elite speed. But if he could surprise, that's only going to help his stock. If he hits under that 4-5 mark... That's really going to help him. And if he does go under four or five, maybe it does push him out of the range of the Green Bay Packers. But he is another guy I'd be really interesting to watch uh, because because of that, because of the the supposed lack of speed and him trying to prove that he's got it. And then the third one uh, is is a guy Evan Western already mentioned, Tock McKinley, the outside linebacker slash you know edge defender from UCLA. And if I could just add to that, what's interesting about him is he he's supposed to be another freak player who's going to test very well at the Combine. But what's interesting about Tock McKinley is that he's undergoing shoulder surgery right after the Combine, so in the next couple days here. Uh, he has a torn labrum and a broken glenoid that's expected to keep him out five to six months. So last I heard... He's expected to do everything at the combine, including the bench press, remarkably, for a guy that's undergoing shoulder surgery. I can't believe he's even doing the bench press. But uh, he's going to work out and then undergo surgery. And with a five- to six-month recovery time, you're basically looking, maybe he's ready for the start of the regular season, even though that's no guarantee. So could that shoulder surgery you know, prevent him from going late in the first round? Yeah, it might. Uh, And especially if he doesn't perform as well as expected. And will that shoulder impact him at all in his things like the, you know, especially the bench press? But I imagine even, you know, pumping your arms in the 40-yard dash, you you may, with a broken shoulder, I mean, it's, it's probably even hard to do normally. So, uh, that, that's a guy I'd really watch. Those are my three key players, you know, that are, that are first round material that I think the Packers will be interested in watching because they could come off the board late in the first round. So that's, I, I kind of looking at it through that lens or that filter. Uh, there's certainly a lot of other players to watch that could be very interesting at the NFL combine. Those are just three on the defensive side. If I if I had to give you one on offense to watch, and again, Evan Western already mentioned it, it's, it's tight end David Njoku, I believe is how you pronounce it, from Miami. And, and I'll give you the, the thing to watch here, folks. 
He was a national champion high jumper in high school. He's cleared both two meters and seven feet in the high jump, which is incredibly high. Like I said, national champion in high school. And he competed on the track team at Miami as well. So um, he's going to jump out of the stadium. Um, you're going to see that explosion out of him. And he's supposed to do well at the other things too, you know, as far as uh, – you know, 40 yard dash. He's a really fluid athlete. And boy, if he were on the board late in the first round, the Packers may have a tough choice there as well. So, uh, good player there, David Njoku from Miami. So, there you go. There's some players to watch over the weekend uh, if you're looking to keep up with the NFL Combine. It concludes on Monday. <clears throat> and in fact, uh, we already have a guest for Monday's show of Railbird Central. We'll be talking to Colin Lindsay of the Great Blue North Draft Report or GBNReport.com on the show about what happened at the Combine over the weekend and then the final day of the Combine itself on Monday with defensive backs taking the field. So we'll talk about that then uh, with Colin Lindsay. Excited to do that. Uh, Railbird Central airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's a live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. Uh, that'll do it for today's show, folks. As seeing as I did the promotion at the middle of the episode instead of the end, we'll forego it here. And I'll just tell you to have a good weekend, have a good Friday, and we'll, we'll enjoy the Combine coverage, and we'll uh, sum it up again then on monday uh we'll see you then folks i leave you today with a song called break build burn by lotus on Psy fidelity records see ya go pack go